Hello, welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. The Premier League is back this weekend. Personally, I think the international break's gone on far too long, uh, but we're back to Saints. My name's Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson, and this is Under the Lights. Callum, I don't know about you, but that last couple of weeks, I mean, it hasn't even finished yet, but uh, it, that, that's been one of the long, felt like one of the longer international breaks to me. Yeah, it's not finished yet. It's only, it's only Wednesday. It's only been about 10 days since the last uh, session of Premier League football. But yeah, I think I, I get where you're coming from. But to be honest, it, I think it seemed longer because sort of the games for England didn't really mean much. And I know uh, most don't really follow it. At the at the best of times, certainly with the with the qualifiers, but uh, I wasn't even aware. I, I found out on the Saturday I was working. I, I found out, looked at my phone um, on my lunch break, and found out that we'd beaten Albania five 0 the day before. So, uh, <laughs> and then I didn't even realise the game against San Marino was on the Monday until about an hour prior. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a low key one, I would say, and. Um, Fortunately for us, it's uh, it's I think it's March until the next international break. Yeah. So rather than having one every three weeks, which is it's pretty much been so far this season, twenty twenty one out of the way. Good one for the international team, but we get to focus on the Premier League and Saints for the next four months. Yeah, we do, and it almost feels like this is the. I know we've been going. This is we've had twelve matches already, but it almost feels like this is the proper sort of this is the proper Premier League start as in we've had 12 games of the season this is when we can properly get into the action the FA Cup third round is only a month and a half away as well uh, it feels like it's the proper chunk of the season the one that everyone really looks forward to and it's where that Christmas winter period where teams really show what they're about this season uh, yeah yeah the winter period is is a huge period for the um for every team and where they'll end up because there's so many points uh, up for grabs in such a short space of time. If you have a good period during the, the, the Christmas New Year kind of time, uh, pretty much December, because uh, you, you tend to start, I haven't looked at the fixtures, but I think it's the same this year. You tend to start with a, a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday at the beginning of December. And then obviously when it gets into Christmas and New Year, we know what happens there before uh, before the FA Cup kicks in and we have ourselves sort of a, a little bit of a a break. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, especially as you mentioned with all the international games we've had. It's been a stop-start uh, Premier League season thus far and uh, we'll get to uh, get to enjoy ourselves a, a, a bit of Christmas Premier League uh, chaos before uh, obviously this time next year when, uh, when the World Cup will be taking over. And we've obviously heard... We weren't going to talk about this, but briefly, we obviously heard the dates mm. uh, for the World Cup and around, or, or well, not for the World Cup, for the Premier League schedule around the mm. World Cup. And it's just a complete farce. I think there's about three days yeah. between the last Premier League game and the start of the tournament. So there's not going to be any time for camps and things like that for the England team and every other team. And then obviously, you know, however far you get, it finishes with the final. And then uh, before you know it, Flying back and probably, probably carting them off the airplane straight into the stadium to uh, to play the first game back. So it's we knew it would be a fast, we knew it would be mad, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the traditional chaos of 
uh, at Christmas in the Premier League and one with fans as well because I think the festive time when you get the, the games quick, thick and fast, is um, it's just got a different feel to obviously what we had this time last year. It really has. I've already, uh, my friend is coming over from Australia who I haven't seen in years and we've got, I've booked tickets for Saints against Newcastle on the 2nd of January. So I'm really looking forward Lovely. to actually going to a game. I haven't actually been to a game as a fan for uh, quite some time now. So really looking forward to that. But you talk about the chaos. I had a quick look at the fixtures. It's actually Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday at the beginning of December. So we're going back to the COVID times of two games in a week for a fortnight. And um uh, but yeah, with the with, with the Qatar World Cup, could you imagine you win the World Cup and it's like, sorry, mate, I know you've just won the World Cup, but you've got Crystal Palace away on Boxing Day in uh, just a couple of days. So if you can just get yourself fit for that, all right, you'll be starting. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, they, better hope, uh, they better hope COVID's cleared up by then because if there are any travel restrictions. Mm. Everybody's fucked. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not right. Before we get into the festive period, um, let's just quickly touch on the game that happened just before the international break because we didn't get a chance just to have a a, a, a slight debrief on that. Uh, not really too much uh, wrong to say about the performance. We got exactly what we wanted, the, uh, the, the brilliant start, and Adam Armstrong with quite simply a fantastic finish. I don't know if it says much about... Ask for yourself that you're, uh, we, we win a game, we're in good form, and your first thought is, well, there's not really much I can say to uh, tear this apart. I mean, we should <laughs> definitely be looking at the positives because we're on a, we're on a good run of form. Uh, another clean sheet, which is massive. I think we're now only behind uh, Chelsea and mm. Man City in terms of uh, clean sheets. I think we might be level with Liverpool. Not sure. In terms uh, of individuals, McCarthy is um, just one off. Only Mendy has got more, uh, but I don't. I'm not quite sure on the stats as uh, as a team. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll have a quick look now. Uh... Whilst you're doing that, though, it was a real. You know, it, the second half obviously things changed. Uh, Smith gave his final halftime team talk for Aston Villa and it seems to actually work and I thought it was actually quite harsh because Aston Villa in the second half they weren't actually bad at all I thought it was just one of those games where it the luck wasn't on their side they had a couple of crosses that could on any other day have snuck in at the far corner um to be honest Saints if I'm gonna yeah Saints were quite lucky to not finish the game level um just on that second half but obviously the point in the first half is they the performance was so good we really should have been about three or four up by uh, by the break. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, by the way, so it, Mendy and Edison both with six clean sheets, yeah. and then uh, a couple of others, including McCarthy, with five. So so only the two far and away, I think, the best defenses in the league um, are ahead of Saints, and that just goes to show the change that has come about uh, this season. Um, Credit to, to Ralph and the coaching staff, but also the players for for working so hard. We know they've been working on that. We knew that that was our uh, Achilles heel and we were far too open in looking to score goals. Now, we've shored up at the back. Yes, the goals were fewer and far between, but the, the, the strikers are starting to get some form and... and we're looking now, as you can see with the last few results, to be getting it right kind of at both ends of the pitch. Um, you're right. First, it was definitely a game of two halves, if you want to delve into the cliches. But Saints should have been out in front 
uh, you know, one nil certainly after three minutes, brilliant start, but it certainly should have been more than that at half time. Um, shades of Watford the week before Aston Villa came back into it, but again, you know, they had a couple of chances, but you know, if you watch the highlights, they didn't, you know, it wasn't like we didn't deserve to win. They didn't penetrate the defense enough times to really cause us a number of issues. And yeah, defensively saints are, are doing well. And, and, the longer you're you're steady at the back, you will occasionally concede goals, like we did in the Burnley game. But generally, you, you know, keep clean sheets. All you got to do is score one goal, and that's how Saints are, are climbing their way up the table at the moment. They've had um, some brilliant results. We spoke specifically about the the fixtures. Uh, you talk about the Aston Villa one. We thought that would probably be the most difficult, but again, we were a better side. Came up against a, a sorry Aston Villa side, really. Um, and in the end, it was the final nail in the coffin of Dean Smith. But we talked about Leeds, Burnley, Watford, Villa and Norwich. How many points we'd won out of that? Well, so far, we've got 10 points out of 12 with three clean sheets. That Burnley game being the only blot on that with the Norwich game to come. If we beat Norwich, who we should because they're the worst team in the league, Saints so have got 13 points from 15 uh, and that far exceeds what we were expecting or or the minimum that we expected. Can't remember what you said, but I think nine, nine. is what yeah, would be nine. I mean we've already achieved it with a game against the the uh, the bottom team to come. So I think that's that's exciting. We said that you know Ralph this year so far in 2021 had not kind of covered himself in glory uh with the team. We weren't learning from our mistakes too many of the same issues. Everton first game of the season happened again. Um, but he has found a way and credit where it's due. We said, you know, it's been seven games without a win, but we'd had some tough games and we did stay in them and we got some good, really, really good points, good performances. But it was all about how we play against those teams around us in those next five games. And that's what he'll be judged on. And he's delivered. Mm. So, um, over this five games, I, I think he's done a fantastic job. And if he can continue to make it difficult for the big teams to win against us, then what more can you ask for from a club uh, and a team of, of our kind of standing? Exactly. And he's got us playing exciting football that can get results. Uh, we were still playing some decent attacking football, even in our worst run of form last season. But because we were so bad at the back, it didn't count for anything because we just leaked goals. Um, and we were getting the constant, oh, you know, they kept on attacking. You know, look, going forward, they look all right. They're just tragic at the back. And we've changed that now. And we're still going strong. And I think <clears throat> I've just looked at the table. I know it depends on other results going the other way, but we beat Norwich. We'll be, we could potentially go into the top eight of the table which is a phenomenal Crazy. achievement at, at this point. And it was, we were sort of dissecting the season into groups of difficulty. And obviously the Norwich game sort of ends this run of five where things, you know, it was vital to pick up points. However, I've just had a look at the next run of fixtures. I'm, I'm only going to touch on it very briefly. But aside from Liverpool away um, the following weekend, the run of fixtures has, has gone from, in from um, really difficult to actually tough but winnable for example after Liverpool in just the month of December I'll only go up to uh, only go through the next four after this Leicester at home Leicester aren't 
particularly brilliant this season. That's a winnable fixture in our current form. Brighton are suddenly um, just finding it a bit difficult. They're run, not running out of steam, but you know they they've had that purple patch and now they're just they're not picking up as many points as they were. That's at home. Another winnable game. Arsenal away is tricky at the moment. They're playing very well, but you know it's still not the Arsenal of old. And Saints, uh, you know, they, in the previous years have managed to pick up points at the Emirates. And then Palace followed by Brentford. So it looked initially like it would be an incredibly tough run of fixtures. And it still might be. But I'm turning from where we are now at the moment. There are st- all of those matches we can look at and think, yeah, we could potentially get something there. And it's not a case of, right, we've had our run of easy fixtures. So let's just hope we're not back down by the relegation zone by, by Christmas Day. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the start of the season was tough. And we were kind of looking at games like Newcastle and Wolves and thinking that's where we'll be able to get some points. The rest of them are a luxury if we manage to get anything. They're they're a bonus. Then we got these five fixtures and they were as, not easy, but if you could hand pick five fixtures, you weren't far off what we had. So this was a run where they were very, very winnable games and we needed to be winning them. And we have been. After this, I'd say it's almost a, it's almost in the middle, but it's certainly not like we're coming out of that easy run, if you want to call it that and into a rock-solid one, back where we were at the beginning of the season. We go to Anfield, that's going to be tough. Again, a bonus if we manage to get anything. Brighton did recently, West Ham beat them, so it's not beyond the rounds of possibility. We've been to the Etihad, we've been to Stamford Bridge twice this season and done well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, but but Saints will be going into that game in, in good form. If they get a win against Norwich, the, the run of form they'll be on will be, will be one of the best in the league, um, if not if not the best, because a lot of big teams have been dropping points recently. So we'll go into that with with high hopes. And as you mentioned, Leicester, Brighton, Arsenal. Then we've got Palace and Brentford in a week before um, before Christmas. And and those those games can be can be winnable, but they could also be pretty tough. Palace and are doing really well. Uh, West Ham on Boxing Day have been magnificent, and Tottenham at home uh, under Kante potentially could be could be two difficult fixtures but then you've got Newcastle as you mentioned you're going to and then Wolves away so really if we're looking at that run of fixtures the only side that finished in the top four last season that we're playing is Liverpool after Norwich and then we've got one two three four five six seven eight we've got nine games before we play the next one so actually there's an opportunity there to to build on what we've done and what's good is we, we, what we found really good from the beginning of the season is that we could play a certain way to challenge the big boys. And Ralph, I think, has got that down to a T. It's really impressive. But again, points on the board are what matter. And getting one point, even if it is away at Man City, is good. And then we get another point at home to... Man United, another at home to, to West Ham. You're like, brilliant. Three great performances, but it's still only three points from nine. Whereas we can play against the, the the lesser teams and get 10 points from 12. And that's where the points come. Now that we know that we can do that, we're in a position, hopefully, with a squad that he can rely on, where we can pick up points in the games that we should. But then we can also go away to teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Man United, Man City, and be in with a chance of potentially getting something. So really, there aren't many there aren't many games where we'd look at these and we'd be... I don't think Saints will be fearful 
I think they'll expect to win certain games and then be really up for upsetting the apple cart in other ones. Yeah, and the thing is, the, the run of form that we're in, those points in the winnable games, has meant that we can go to Anfield um, with no pressure on us whatsoever. We're not, we wouldn't be winless in five or six or whatever and thinking, right, we've got to try and get something. Saints can go to Anfield, play their game with no pressure whatsoever. The fans will be on Liverpool expecting to beat us at home and we can go there and play our game and see what happens with the knowledge that, you know, we can try our best. If we don't get anything, it's not the end of the world, but we can go there, go there express ourselves and, uh, and give it a real, real good go. And that, and I think what this run of form has actually done, these wins have really now sort of highlighted the importance of those draws at the beginning of the season, because that chunk of three or four points means that instead of maybe being just above the relegation zone with a couple, with, with a couple of points to spare, we've got a great chunk. We're not even, when, when Sky Sports or the BBC do their graphics of let's look at the bottom of the table, the relegation standings, Saints are not included in them anymore. I know that can all change very quickly, but we seem to, we've managed to get ourselves out of the picture for the time being. And um, in pundits' views as well, when at the moment we're not really in immediate threat of relegation. Obviously, that can that can change very quickly. And if we go on a bad run of form now, but Ralph has done a fantastic job. And I did say before um, in the last international break, I want to change. I want I want someone new. That it's time for him to go. Um, but fair play to him. He's won me round. He's done really really well. And it's the fact that we can see a tangible change in the way that we play. He's actually made some, um, he's gotten rid of some of that stubbornness of we will play, we'll let other teams worry how we play to actually adapt his game to battle yeah. against other managers. And credit to where credit's due, because for for him, being so stubborn for the years and years, you can obviously tell that's it's probably quite a difficult thing for him to be like, look, you know, I've got it wrong. I am maybe a bit stubborn. I'm going to change it up. And I'm not going to be have that arrogance of he's made a change, but that's all right. I'll leave the team how it is because they're going to worry about us. He's actually made that that, that change. So that's really good. But that's, um, before Two I seconds, know, I just yeah. to say say on that, Tom. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, he's he's now doing what we've been crying out for him to do for ages. It, it's no secret that it took him way too long as a manager to realise mm -hmm. that was the case, and and now he's he's adapted. Um, he's almost gone the complete other end of management style and, and often sort of parking the bus. And he's worked on that defence. And I know with time, the players and the system, you know, it's, it's not going to work overnight. And he's, and the defensive side of it is much better. And, and he's where we need to be now. But uh, we can only judge him on now. And at the moment, he's doing really well. And as, as you say, it's, it's funny. We look at those fixtures and think, oh, OK, they look good. But we could... If we lose to Norwich, suddenly our next four games are Liverpool, Leicester, Brighton who are doing well this season and Arsenal have picked up. And suddenly we could be looking at uh, in a completely different way this time next week after we've uh, after we've lost to the, the shit side in the division. Um, but let's have a look at, at, at the game on Saturday because we're, we're facing Dean Smith two, two games in a row. Uh, I think that's a, a first in, in Premier League history for a manager mm. to face the same side twice in a row in the Premier League. Uh, we've beaten his last side in Aston Villa, and now he's uh, he's got the sack, but he's he's not gone on some beds at all. He's immediately straight into um, straight into management without missing a, a, a single week of Premier League action. Uh, should this be more difficult or easier than the last Dean Smith side that we faced? 
Well, I had there was an interesting quote that I saw from Dean Smith today. Um, and I know he's not going to say anything else uh, to the to the press uh, other than positivity. He wants to start off on the right foot. But he made it, obviously he's done the thing of I know how I've got a fairly good idea of how Southampton are going to play. This is going to give us a great advantage going into the weekend. And it made me chuckle because I saw someone put on Twitter. That's all well and good, Dean. But with Aston Villa, you faced Hasenhutl five times and mm-hmm. you've lost four of them. One one, and the one that you did win was daylight robbery because of the handball and the offside goal. And it's like I know you're going to say that to win the fans over, but the fact is, with a much better team, you have a dreadful record against Hasenhutl. You've gone to Norwich, who statistically are the worst team in the Premier League at the moment. They're bottom. They're rubbish. I know they've just got their first win, so confidence will be better than it was. Um, But uh, it's kind of a just a bit of a rich thing to say, thinking, "Oh, I know how Hasenhutl's going to play." He should have known. He should have known how we were going to play before he faced us with Aston Villa, and maybe that's the reason he's got the sack. (laughs) Yeah, let's be honest. He probably knew how we were going to play. He's got staff that have watched us, and uh, and he he couldn't find a way to win. And now he's got a a worse crop of players. They're just they're just uh, Norwich. Obviously, hoping you know, new manager. There's usually some sort of bounce. But Saints have taken on manager, new managers plenty of times. Uh, I think Ranieri might, might even... It's not wasn't his first game, was no, it? No. But there's, been, there's been another yeah. one relatively recently, maybe last season. And Saints, I, I seem to remember that there's that we faced... Every club probably says it, but we faced a lot of new managers and you're kind of wary of that bounce, usually away from home. So it's a nice game for that first manager. You know, Southampton at home be looked on as an opportunity to get a win. And Saints kind of get the job done. Um, and I'm expecting the same sort of thing to happen this time around against a, a Norwich side that, yes, they got their first win against Brentford. I haven't seen any football from, from that game. But having seen them for the rest of the season, they're absolutely dreadful. Yeah, is it um, Dean Smith or no Dean Smith? Um, Saints should be winning uh, Should be winning this game. And I think this, from a from a tactical point of view... This actually could work really well for Saints because Norwich, bottom of the league, they've just got to win. So confidence will be high. They'll be willing to come at Saints. There'll be that manager bounce. Um, Dean Smith, you know, they'll they'll be wanting to impress the manager. Saints have got to weather that first 10, 15 minutes. And just like the Aston Villa game, if they can get an early goal, that will kill the spirit inside Carrow Road instantly. And this is... We said it last week, didn't we? Yeah. Although I thought it would open the floodgates, we we were Mm. still quite restricted but yeah an early goal was what we were expecting and when I saw that one go in I immediately thought of yeah. our podcast because that's what we were hoping for but it, what do you think of the appointment of Dean Smith because in many ways it screams to me we're looking to the championship next season to have a manager that has brought a team up and not not too re- distant you know past and obviously lots of um, experience with building Brentford uh, in, in that league but and he hasn't really done it at the Premier League. You know, he's he's failed with Aston Villa this season. I, I just wonder if it, it seems a bit of an uninspiring appointment to take mm. someone who's just been sacked by a team that are just hovering above the relegation zone. But at the same time, if you're looking for a manager to take you up from the Championship, then that's what Daniel Farker does with Norwich. So if they were consigned to to relegation. Surely Farker would stay there. Do, do you think they're holding much hope? Because, I mean, Aston Villa have just gone and got Gerrard. I'm not saying Gerrard would have gone to Norwich because really it's uninspiring 
as a as a project to look at it and go i tell you what if we keep these up then i've done one hell of a job but they are they are shite i thought someone like allardyce or you know one of those <laughs> might come in but they've almost gone right who's available oh dean smith's been a manager in the premier league this season who else is there maybe lampard how's just gone to newcastle you're not going to get steve bruce yeah just go with dean smith and get someone in so it's kind of it seems to me like they didn't have many options and they went with the the most obvious one on the merry-go-round. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. For me, it's very much a six out of ten appointment. It's not a it's <laughs> not it, it's just not one that you get really passionate about and you think, oh, that's a good appointment for them. It's just but it's not a bad appointment at the same time. It's just one of those where people go like, Oh, Dean Smith's gone there. Oh, yeah, he might do well. I thought if you're going to sack a manager of the te- the length of tenure that they had Farker, and obviously he was a well-liked figure with the fans, despite the ter- despite being terrible in the Premier League, he seemed like a character they could really get behind and obviously had them absolutely ripping the championship to pieces. So he, ha- he just didn't have the luck in the Premier League. Um, he won't be short of job offers from championship clubs, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. So if you're going to sack a manager of that length, do you want to maybe go for something a bit more exciting? And uh, Dean Smith is just, he's just, he's just not. It's like appointing cardboard as your manager, pretty much. It's just, (laughs) it's a bit dull. He might get the job done, but it's one of those, if they get relegated with him, people go like, eh, not too much of a shock. He had quite a lot against him. It's just, it's a boring appointment. As if I was a Norwich fan, I would be thinking, eh, meh. It looks like a sideways move. It's like, Mm. if we get relegated... The manager will stay with us. So maybe this is a chance for them to get to know the squad, try and build it a little bit. If we get enough points to go on a run to stay up, then brilliant. But it's not like, a, you know what, let's get someone in who's going to give us a real fighting chance of staying up this season. And if we do, then brilliant. And we might, you know, we haven't got much money to chuck at it, but in January we might be able to get, get a manager who can come in and kind of do something. But to me, it just seems like if you're going to go with Smith, you might as well stick with Farker. But I guess Farker's been so dreadful in the the last time they were up in the Premier League, but also this time round. Just seems to me that they're like, well, no one's going to do any worse than Farker. So maybe bringing in Smith will do something for us. And if we go down, then we've got a decent championship manager too. It reminds me a little bit of the situation where we brought in Mark Hughes to replace... Uh... Pellegrino and then after when we sacked Hughes it's it's the difference and I would say that in terms of club size Saints are just about bigger than the Norwich obviously we've been in the Premier League for a lot longer but it, it's sort of that difference in ambition in terms of we sack Hughes we've got nine points in the table staring down the barrel of yet another relegation battle and we go and get Hasenhutl who at the time had just taken Leipzig to second in the Bundesliga and everyone's just like wow how did they get him? That's a really exciting appointment. It, for Norwich, it's just really, really dull. Although, just on a very side note, I think it's quite funny in terms of what Norwich fans were expecting for them to come in as a manager to then looking at who Aston Villa were expecting. Oh, you know, we've got rid of Dean <laughs> Smith, five years. You know what? Ten Hag from Ajax would be good. Maybe Koeman. Maybe, um, no, Conte's already gone to Spurs. So I, I heard about... Simeone being touted around. Simeone, what? It's just Get like, your head out of the clouds. If that happens, if that happened on Football Manager or FIFA or something, I'd I'd delete the save and start again. You know, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're on. Gerard was as good as they were going to get. I mm. think that's a good appointment. Yeah, uh, 
and I'm 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 excited to see what he does. Actually, I don't really care for Aston Villa at all, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of manager Steven Gerrard can be in the Premier League. Um, looking ahead to this game then at the weekend, yeah. What what are we what are we thinking in terms of the lineup? Because we'll start from back to front as we always do. Um, Livermento is back in training, mm-hmm. but obviously he didn't go to uh, he didn't go with, with the England on twenty ones because of an injury. Will Prowse didn't go with the England first team because of illness. So we'll talk through that. But what we'll end with is the uh, is the striking options, which suddenly we're seeing in a completely different light. And one mm-hmm. one we alluded to. Um, that had potential to give us this headache, but we were kind of waiting for one of them to catch fire. Broya did, but then the other two have kind of followed. And um, and what was uh, what was ho- what we were hoping for is what's come to fruition now is that we've got two spaces with three out and out strikers fighting it out, and then obviously Redmond in form as well. Yeah, it's a really uh, it's a really good headache for Hasenhutl to to have. Um, I think Breuer, obviously, he's had his injury problems. So if I'm going to be completely honest, I think we'll start with uh, Adam and, and Armstrong. Armstrong obviously scored that terrific goal against Aston Villa. And Shea Adams has scored uh, an iconic Scotland goal on Tuesday. It's a bit where... of an easy out, isn't it? That It's a bit, you know, he, the one that's coming back from injury we'll put on the bench. That's yeah. the easy. That's it the is. easy. I guess, I guess if you're playing well, you keep the shirt. You know, Breuer would have kept the shirt, but... He obviously he got a knock. I think the last time he played was um, was against Burnley. If uh, he, he did, ca- against... I think he came on just for the last ten minutes of the Villa game. Uh, but obviously we oh, were so okay. we were so yeah. under the cosh that he didn't really get the ball too much. Yeah. So, but in terms of proper game time, he's, he's yeah. missed a couple of games really. And the other two have done well. Chad Adams mm. scored a couple of goals um, for Saints. Obviously Scotland as well. <laughs> Armstrong, as we mentioned, was getting some stick for not hitting the target, but. Um, as I said, he's going to score goals. He didn't score against Watford, but I like him because if we need a goal, he's the guy, he's, he's going to be in the right place at the right time. It's going to fall to him. And bloody hell, he took his goal against Aston Villa. Um, with He's so two-footed, the guy. I mean, you say with his weaker foot, but for all we know, <laughs> I mean, he, he could be left-footed. He's, he's, he has got no weak foot. But yeah, let's start from the back and then we'll get, we'll get onto the forward positions. But suddenly... Going into this kind of Christmas period, because we've got this game, mm. and then, like you said, that's when we start getting the the. Uh, this is where we start getting into the into the. We, got, the um, we get we yeah. get this game, and then Liverpool a week later. But then we get the Wednesday, then we get the Saturday, um, and then we've got a week, and then we've got another Wednesday, Saturday. So, yeah, we're getting into the 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 hectic schedule. I think just at the right time because we're getting players that are. Coming to the fore, um, Jack Stevens is on his way back. Not yet, but he'll. I think he'll be available for part of this Christmas um, run-in. We've obviously got the fullback situations where Perot can't get a game, but but he will get game time. And uh, and you know the likes of Diallo pushing in central midfield. The wide positions we've got plenty of options. They're fighting it out. We're just waiting for someone really to to get some form. And then we just mentioned the strikers. So. Ralph can really use his squad and it'll be interesting to see if he continues to keep a starting 11 that keeps winning, if he's able to, despite the fact that there's an obvious risk of, of them um, getting burnt out, or if he might kind of pick horses for courses and look at the opposition. A famous quote when we were winning 
every game and top of the league, oh, uh, we don't look at the opposition, we let them worry about us. will be interesting to see if he makes the decisions on, for instance, who's going to play up front based on the different types of strikers we have. Because we've got a squad to, to really pick up points in this run over Christmas where there are points to be won. Yeah, and um, I think that now uh, the main difference between you know this one and last season is that when he, if he does want to change up the team, he's not dipping into the under-21s to try and just fill the gaps. And just to give some people a rest, we've actually got really good options now uh, interchange. And there's been so many quotes over the past uh, month, especially from uh, m- members of the team saying this is the they're like their favourite Saints squad that they've worked with. They're like I think that was Romeo who said that. And of course, he's been here throughout the Cumin years. I know we had the dip through relegation, but this seems to be the uh, the best balanced squad that we've had. And they're delighted to all be um, sort of just battling for for places. I think for the just for this weekend. I think a, a, the, a, getting a win against Norwich would put us in super, a superb position to go into the uh, to Christmas fixtures. I think it puts us on a win would take take us to seventeen points, which would be you know thirteen games gone and nearly just short of halfway to the four, the magical forty point mark. Um, so I think I know we've got the the sort of congestion coming up, but I think for the purpose of this, we don't make changes to the winning team. We play our best team on current form and then uh, to Liverpool, Anfield, we can, if we get the win, we can make a few changes. We can then start to try different things. I think Nathan Teller deserves a run in the team, but I mean, we've been crying out for that what's, for the last six what's your, what's your 11 for, for the Norwich game then? So I would go with, um, I don't need to bother with the keeper. We know, we know it's McCarthy. Um, if he's fit, then we we start with Liveramento, and I'd put Walker Peters on the left just because I think he's been sensational in the past uh, couple of games, um, and he's really worked on taking it to the byline and trying with his left foot. And I think against Norwich, we're going to have space, we're going to have we're going to have chances, uh, and I think we're going to have the opportunity to cut inside and go down to uh, into the box down that byline. So I think uh, we keep him. Uh, the back two at the moment pick themselves with Bednarik and uh, Salisu. I think this is definitely going to be... You think doesn't yeah. throw his hat in there? I think Lianco, uh, whew, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, doesn't quite pick itself. I think, I know what you're saying. I think it. I think that's what Ralph will go with. Be yeah. interested to see if we go to a back three against Liverpool and Lianco mm. sits in the middle there like he did against Chelsea and was so good. Mm. Um, that, that's the sort of thing I can see happening when you mention the Liverpool game. I was thinking the same thing. We might go to a back three to nullify their front three or what will be a back five and um, and have have Lianco in there doing what he did last time. But I do think, I think Bednarik is going to get the nod. But it, you can't change the winning team, right? No, no, not at the moment. And, I, you know, with the, this is not, Norwich is not the game to start, you know, pissing about and changing things up for the sake of it when you've got a winning formula and you're playing the team at the bottom of the league. This is a this is a case about getting the job done. We get a point. We get three points against Norwich, and you know we can go into the Christmas period not even having to look over our shoulder at all and just start looking to where we can picking up points to get firmer further into mid table. I think midfield two. I, I understand. I understand what you're saying in terms of the this Norwich game. You know, it's a really good opportunity to get three points, so we need to not be complacent. But what I would say is, if Livramento is even ninety nine percent fit. 
I think this is a game where we can afford to let him have a rest. He hasn't had a rest all season in terms of game time in the Premier League, played every game, started every game. And we are not weak at fullback if we play Walker Peters at right back and Perot at left back. We don't have that added brilliance of Livermento, but facing a Norwich side, I, I don't think we're weak. It's not like we're playing Bednarek or Stevens mm. at right back again or, or Gineppo at left back. So I, if, if there is any possible benefit in Livermento missing this game and having a further week to treat his injury, I wouldn't think twice about it. Okay. No, that's a fair point. And, um, and I, I, I almost forget how we are now stacked in the fullback department. So it's a case of, oh, Livermento, our, our best right back can't play. What are we going to do? Uh, we can play the other best right back that we have in Walker Peters and then put an actual left back at left back. And even yeah, then, and a decent one. Yeah. And even then with the B team, uh, Thierry Small seems to be ripping it up at the yeah, moment, scoring a yeah. few goals. So maybe it's a good opportunity. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be in the FA Cup third round match day squad, but that's for another yeah, time. He's doing, he's doing well, as are the B team, which mm. is uh, which is a, a amazing uh, turn of events yeah. there. But yeah, if there's a, if you know, I wouldn't want Livermento worsening his injury and then missing two or three weeks where that could be five or six games. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd wrap them up and cotton wool if we need to. Um, the m- usual midfield two of Ward-Prowse and Romeo fit. Have we seen if Ward-Prowse is going to be fit? Is he back in training, do we know? Because he was... I'm not sure, out- but I haven't heard anything. You know, he, he mm. was off with the illness, wasn't he? I don't yeah. know if it was COVID or not, but even if it was, he would be... The 10 days would be up. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think I think if it was illness, I think he sh- he would be fine. I heard that Broya and Livermento were back in training, along with Redmond as well. They were. Then... I, I don't know if Ward Prowse was not mentioned because he'd been in training for a while now. Yeah, um, but I, I don't I don't I haven't heard anything to say that he isn't. But if, if not, he... then Diallo will step in. Yeah, yeah. If he's if he's fit, then even you know we've even got Smallbone mm. on the bench. But Diallo yeah. will Diallo will come in, and without trying to be disrespectful to the opposition. Um, Norwich is a game where you don't necessarily need War Prowse in the midfield. Diallo is just as just as good, and we actually um, I think we play a different style when Diallo's in the middle. I think the ball moves forward a bit quicker. And that's, um, obviously, with, we lose the set piece ability of War Prowse. Although I have to say it's been quite poor this season. Um, his, his set yeah, pieces. I think this will be Diallo's game because it will be a game where we need someone to battle and Diallo can do that. Yeah. So, you know, they haven't got magicians in the middle, but it will be, there'll be midfield battles to be won and Diallo won't shy away from them as, as it can be the same can be said for Ward-Prowse and Romeo. So mm. yeah, Ward-Prowse and Romeo are fit. Um, you've already said about Adams and, uh, and Armstrong. Adam Armstrong yeah. up top. Um, Stuart Armstrong and mm. Nathan Redmond, if fit, you're... Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But then you've even got, you know, Elianusi, who still waiting. He's the new Buffal. He's the you wait. You see him what he does when he plays for his national side. You're hoping, and then re- he doesn't really ever do anything. It seems mm. in the same shirt. Yeah. But people seem to like that. He, I, I think if he didn't have the international record he had, I, I think people's opinion on him might might be quite different. Um, it's quite interesting to think. But we've got him. We've got Gineppo. You mentioned Teller, Breuer. You know, there are options there. But I think, yeah, that's our best team. I just wonder if Ralph's going to go with a lot of players that didn't play international football, as has been the case before. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Just a quick one on Elia Nusa. Remember, Ralph described him as uh, he can also play as a six. And sometimes I think, does he mean just a six out of 10? Because that's pretty much his, every time he performs, it is pretty much, it's not, it's not brilliant, but it's not exactly bad. He sort of just keeps yeah. things ticking over. He's very much uh, average performances, but... Um, kind of probably, he's kind of the guy who's going to get 60 minutes and then if you're looking to bring someone on, you he's take probably him off. the guy who's going to come off unless someone else is having a stinker. Yeah, I think um, we start uh, we start Stu. He looked back to his best for Scotland against Denmark in his cameo in the in the second half. Obviously, set up. Got to keep that. Got to keep that combination going, exactly. right? Adam exactly. And Armstrong. Adam yeah. Armstrong and Adam Armstrong. That's going to be triple uh, A. The test. So uh, yeah, we keep we keep them on, and I think Nathan Redmond has really done well in the last few games, and I think he can um, keep his spot and. I think... His underlying stats are good, Redmond. I know. He, mm. I, I don't know if what, what this says about it, but he, he's he's involved, and in terms of sort of it, it expected goal involvement, and you know he's creating chances or he's involved in the chances. It's just that we, what we need to see is more of them actually mm-hmm. not being expected goals, but actual goals. Whether he's on the end of them or whether he's created. But what's important is that he's he's in the mix. He's getting touches in the box. And it's something that we haven't seen from Redmond in a while. We, what we always wanted from Redmond was to see him get the ball and drive at people and drive into the box and beat a man. And we knew he could do it. And for a while, I think he forgot that he could do it. He'd receive the ball. He wouldn't have the confidence to take someone on in case he lost the ball. So he'd turn back and at walking pace, we'd just pass the ball backwards over and over again. And Saints fans hated it. If he could get a goal or two in a few games that's what he's missing at the moment. That confidence to be like, we, we saw it against Burnley where he missed from about a yard out. We saw it against a bit earlier in the season where we had the ball, it was that West Ham game, wasn't it? Where he crossed mm-hmm. it into the middle. It was one-on-one and you knew he'd find a way to not shoot. And somehow he did. He stopped, waited for the defender to catch up, missed it. If we could just get him to get a couple of goals off his arse, a worldie, I don't care. Then I think if we get a confident Redmond, same as you get with uh, uh, with uh, Adams, confidence players, I think we can see what we've been waiting to see from Redmond for a long time. He's just so frustrating in his decision making. So, yeah, I- I'd agree with that team um, on paper. As I said, with the fullbacks, depending on Livermento, I'd be happy if if he was rested, if he needed to be. Otherwise, obviously, he starts with Walker Peters. The rest of the team, I think it picks itself. Uh, Broya not fully fit, so same same as with Livramento, he will be important during this fixture run. So I, you know, bring him off the bench if we need to. But yeah, I, I pretty much agree with the side you've got, and then change things a little bit for Liverpool. We don't want to go play in the B team against Liverpool because then suddenly we're on for a spanking. But if we go three at the back, put Lianco in there, maybe look at uh, playing the likes of. Yeah, I'd keep Walker Peters up against Mo Salah, for instance, on that side. But then maybe playing Broya, maybe playing Elanusi or, or Gineppo to double up on Salah or those sorts of things. But we'll um we'll come back to that uh, next week after we've uh, hopefully got a good three points against Norwich. What's your uh, what's your prediction to finish up on uh, on this? Uh, just before I do my prediction, just I want to make a final point on Nathan Redmond. I've actually had a look. For some for some reason, I thought he was a lot older. The guy's only 27, so there's still loads of time in his career for him to build that confidence and keep going. And I was going to say that... Probably the hairline. Probably yeah. The reason. 
but um no, i think norwich is a is exactly the game for him we've seen how former well team as well former team but we've seen how well he does against championship sides when he went like like lastly he played bournemouth who i'm going to say yeah. are similar standard to this current norwich team oh and destroyed them didn't they utterly destroyed them did did that fantastic um fantastic first goal where he pretty much just took it past the whole team of just before half time and smashed it in the top corner it he knows what he can do even and i know they're in league two but against newport he looked like you know, he, he looked like the Premier League player that he should be in terms of just being yeah. complete levels above. And I think it's no against... surprise his, his goal and his assist came during this five game spell against Leeds and against Burnley, mm. although it was from a corner. You know, it, it, oh, sorry, his two assists have come from those games against the side of out of form sides in, in the uh, in the league, played well against uh, Watford. And like you said, yeah, completely right. Norwich, if you're going to play any team, this is the team that you're going to have a good game against. So, yeah, it's a good opportunity. Very good opportunity. And uh, to finish on my prediction, I think for a joke, I should say 1-0 because that just seems to be the... Uh... Uh, you, you stole my... Uh, I know. My, my joke. I, I was going to say 1-0, but then I just got a feeling it's going to be 3. I, I, I'm completely with you. I think we have been... Um, it's been a case of we really sh should have beaten the team by 2 or 3 goals at least by now I think against Norwich it will it will be that we are going to get chances I, I I'm backing Adam Armstrong to get another one um I think obviously it's going to be difficult we need to weather that first 10-15 minutes make sure that we don't give Norwich a sniff in terms of a good start an early goal will I think open the floodgates because the difference between although Aston Villa were in ter terrible form they've still got international players at the back whereas Norwich and with all due respect, they're bottom of the league for a reason. Yes, they've just beaten Brentford. Um, but Brentford, I think what people need to be reminded about for any Saints fans that are getting worried that Norwich have just won their first game of the season and their confidence will be high. Brentford at the moment are in a bit of a free-for-all themselves. Um, uh -huh. they're, they're not doing well. So, um, yeah, it, it, it could be maybe a bit of blind confidence. So I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for 2 0 Saints. I think we are due to batter a team yet. I'm just, I, I don't want to jinx it. So I'm going to go 2 0, early goal. Norwich come at us for, the, for a good period. And then we just finish them off maybe late into the second half. This is the end of our, uh, our predictions of, of Saints not doing well in the blind hope that that. Uh, <laughs> it was an earlier theme, wasn't it? Every time yeah. we thought we would get beaten, we didn't. And then we got a bit of confidence and thought we'd win and we lost. Um, I, I think Norwich are there for the taking, new manager or not. One nil again, like you said, is the kind of is the is what you put your money on because that's what we keep winning by, and we seem to get a goal and then hold that lead. But we are still creating the chances. We saw it against Watford. How that was only one nil, I don't know. And I feel like one of these games, like you said, I thought it would be Villa as well when I said this last time we did an episode. But I feel like you know one of them is going to go in for a second, and when it does. It'll, be, it'll kind of be a different game. I think we'll still be resolute and professional as we have been. 1-0 um, was the obvious prediction. I just, I don't know if it's because when we went up there last time, that first game after lockdown, it was an easy 3-0 and I'm kind of just, I'm just getting shades of that in my in my head. That was a wonderful afternoon because it was a, it was in the summer. It was a Friday night. It was football. It was like the proper Premier League is back. It was the first they... game back as well, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> I remember it was a 6pm Friday kickoff, and it was the first. It was on free, all the it was games. on free they're TV all, as well. Yeah, they're all on different times, weren't they, back then? 
And uh, it was the first game back since the March. I think this was like the June or July or whatever it was. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go with a with a worrying that we're going to end up losing this one. I'll go with a three 0 Saints. Um, Adam Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong, and then uh, one of the centre backs up for a up for a header. Let's give Bednarik one. He, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't get many. Does make he? sure but, it's not two. Make sure Bednarik doesn't make it two 0 because that means we're going to lose three two, like we always do whenever he does that. <laughs> make sure we don't. We're not two two nil up, and he makes it two one either. That's oh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, I, I'd say confidence is high on the uh, under lights podcast. Recent form: thirteen points out of fifteen. Would would be and added to that the um, the wonderful display that we had up at Stamford Bridge and amongst that run as well is a really good kind of period of six games looking ahead um, and not only with the three points but I'm just I'm hoping that Saints will continue to improve because they're learning as they go in this new style of play just waiting for those floodgates to open because I want to see our forward players get some goals, maybe even throw you off the bench, getting another one. Um, strikers in form. Yeah, I, I, I think we can continue what we're, what we're doing here and, uh, and ride that kind of wave of momentum for Saturday. What do you think the score is going to be at the weekend? Are you as confident as us or are you a little bit worried about that new manager bounce? Please let us know. You were asking me for a second. I was like, I just told you, mate. <laughs> For those who are actually concentrating on the podcast, unlike Callum, uh, leave the comments just down below. <laughs> Let us know what your predictions are. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, to dissect an embarrassing 5-0 loss at Carrow Road with our head in our hands. <laughs> and, and as always, uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at under underscore Saints. You can find me at T214Murray. Find me at Callum Wilson 21. Have a lovely evening and remember to stay safe and stay wonderful.